Welcome to BP Leadership Podcast, where real leaders are made. I'm your host, Bill Purvis, and today in this podcast, I have a newly found friend named Levi Skipper that I just brought him in and on on the, on the fly, I said, I want you to do a podcast with me and let me ask you some questions. I happened to meet Levi a while back. He's now the evangelism catalyst for the Georgia Baptist Mission Board. He's a pastor, an author, a good encourager. He pastored a church that really had grown, and then they brought him into the role there so he could help other pastors learn about leadership and grow as well. And so uh, today we're going to talk about dying churches and and the the causes of them, how to fix them, uh, also the importance of having a strategy if you're going to achieve it, real success, and how to tell if a church is really faithful and fruitful. So there's a lot that he knows about churches. So for those of you that are involved in a church or those of you that are pastoring or on staff in a church, this is going to be very informative for you. I look forward to talking with him, Dr. Levi Skipper, my guest today. Let's get started. Let me ask you a couple of questions. One of them is this. Uh, tell me about, about what you're doing right now. What, what's the job, the role, the ministry you're doing at the moment? Well, the title is Catalyst for Evangelism. So my main goal is to help raise the evangelistic temperature of Baptist churches throughout the state of Georgia. Uh-huh. So it's me. We put a team together of six guys. We're kind of regionalized now. So each of those consultants are serving in one of the regions. Right. So we come alongside churches and pastors and really help resource them for evangelism, but also teach them the principles of how to build an evangelistic culture. Mm-hmm. So that's yeah. what we do. All right, let me ask you, and here's what, you know, the average listener doesn't know this, I think, you know, because they don't keep up with it, I think. But, uh, but you know, we, we're aware of these churches that, that are really growing and baptizing regularly and having new additions. But that's not true of most churches, is it? It's not at all. Yeah. Actually, the majority of the churches are either plateaued or declining. Yeah. Which is a sad reality. Yeah. But that's also what caused me to say, I'm willing to leave the the place where I was. Uh-huh. Because our church was growing. We were yeah. baptizing, seeing new believers. But to say, all right, we've got to figure out a way to help these other churches. Yeah. Because we have the best news on the planet. I right. think you'd agree that's with right. that. Right? Yeah. So we have the gospel. So we've got to pull churches back to the Great Commission, really seeking mm-hmm. to make disciples everywhere. Yeah. Now, does a church, let me ask you this, does a church, uh, does a church ever recognize that what, what happens with them? They have to open their eyes and say, we didn't realize how dead we were or that we're dying or we're plateaued. Did they die without even knowing they're, they're, they're going that way? Or? Yeah, I think sometimes... Uh, you know, it kind of goes back to that proverb, without a vision, people perish. Yeah. So a lot of times the church just loses its way, loses its vision. And whenever that vision's lost and they don't realize, okay, we're not doing what Jesus commanded us to do, mm-hmm. they kind of revert into a complaining attitude, to be real honest right. with you. And then there's conflict in the context of the church. And then that very quickly just starts driving huge wedges. Yeah. I'm a big proponent, too. Spiritual warfare happens in the context of relationships. Mm-hmm. So the enemy's always trying to divide relationships. Right. And so a lot of times when you see a church that is dead, you'll mm-hmm. discover that there are a lot of broken relationships okay. in that church, yeah. which is evidence really that the enemy is just attacked. Mm-hmm. And instead of wrestling against the principalities right. of darkness, you yeah. find that they're wrestling against each other. Yeah. And while they do that, their communities are going to hell around them. That's right. And that's the yep. problem. Yep. And then there, it appears that sometimes they get busy. You remember how in, in, in Revelation when they talk about this church, I know you're busy. Mm-hmm. And it reminds me of a lot of churches have a gazillion programs and plans, mm-hmm. but there's nothing accomplished. Yes. You know, it's we're all... It's like they're sitting on the Titanic singing songs. Yes, that's right. Well, a lot of folks, um, they love their program more than they love the mission of Jesus. 
and uh, they they'll die for the program. Yeah. And the problem is, oftentimes they do. Yeah, I know. <laughs> you know what I, I mean? know. And the program dies with them. Now, I I'll also say, you know, there reality is every single church has some sort of program. Yeah. So although a lot of times we don't like the idea or the phrase program, we still got programs. Yeah. But it's a matter of saying, okay, how can we improve these programs? How can we make sure that these are strategically aligned with the Great Commission? Yeah. And are these programs bearing fruit? Yeah, You've got to be right. willing to say, if it's not, we're not going to do it anymore. Right. Lay it to the side. Let's try something else. But when you get into that routine and you kind of drive that rut in the context of a church and you yeah. just keep riding that same you know, yep. merry-go-round and you're not seeing any fruit from it, Yep. That's a problem. If you don't make a decision That's and right. don't see it, and don't change That's it, doesn't. Exactly yeah. Right. Now, when you went to Concord, mm-hmm. tell me where it was at and when you came, what the situation was like. And so, I will tell you, Concord was a phenomenal church mm-hmm. already. Uh, they ran about 500, 600 folks on a regular basis. Concord was chock full of great leaders mm-hmm. who were also great leaders in the community, but great leaders in the church. Yeah. And really, they just needed somebody to point and say, "Let's go here." Oh. And so. Uh, it was a very awesome situation. Yeah. So I went in, and uh, that's what we did. I, mm-hmm. you know, it was interesting. They kept asking me. They said, "What is your vision for the church?" I said, "I have absolutely no idea." Mm-hmm. Yeah. I said, "I know what the mission is, though. Yeah, the mission right. is to make disciples. So we want to create the ministry so that we're producing disciples, and then we want to train people on how to make disciples." Yeah. I said, and "We'll get the vision later. Yeah. As we get to know each other, we get to know the community, find out what's going on, and I always, you know, yeah. I'm very." Simple-minded. So mission is what we do. Vision mm-hmm. is where we're going. Right. And so I said, I'm not sure where we're going, but I yeah. do know what we're supposed to be That's doing. That's right. So yeah. let's do this, and we'll wait for God to tell us where we're going. Yeah. And, and when and when you got on mission, did you notice that there was more harmony and unity in the church? Oh, yeah, without a doubt. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's uh, you know, you go into a, a hospital where children are being born, everybody's fired up. Yeah. Right? Yeah. So you go into a church where people are being born again, yeah. there's celebration happening. Yeah. So then conflict begins to subside. Mm-hmm. And it doesn't mean it doesn't show up. Right. It still right. shows up. But the yeah. reality is you're pointing everything. And you're making wise decisions based upon the mission mm-hmm. as opposed to your personal opinion. Yeah. So we're yeah. not doing this anymore because our goal is to make disciples and right. we're not making any out of that ministry. Yeah. Or right. we're going to keep doing that. Yeah. And we're going to pour more energy and resources in it to it because it's making disciples. Yeah. So it just helps you make decisions based upon the mission. Yeah. Instead of the personality or your opinion. And I guess it's almost, it's like, you know, we've experienced it here, but it's, it's like it's like your physical body as well, like a young person that is growing up. They're not the same. You're growing in so many ways over the years. You're not the same church you were when you first got there. That's right. And you can feel it when you grow it. That's right. And you you, you know it experience it. That's right. Now, were, was that the only church you ever pastored? Or were there no, others? I pastored another church uh, in Austell, Georgia. Okay. So I'd started that ministry when I was 23. Okay. The church was... Uh, not doing well. Mm-hmm. I, I wasn't wise enough to realize that they were right. doing well. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, they called and asked me to be their pastor, and I agreed. And uh, I learned so much mm-hmm. in that first role. And, wow. and I learned a ton in this yeah. second role as well, don't get me wrong. But I was just so green. I didn't yeah. know anything. So when I got there, I think it was about 50 or 60 on a on a regular Sunday morning. Mm-hmm. I was the only staff person that was a part-time secretary. My right. first week, she quit. Uh, she said, I've yeah. been waiting for them to get a pastor so I could retire no. and travel the country. So literally, my wife and I, we did absolutely everything yeah. except take up the offering. Right. So we did everything. Yeah. We were printing bulletins, and that mm-hmm. was back. I mean, I was preaching Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday yeah. night. Yeah. But God began to bless and we began to grow. Yeah. And then that got me an opportunity to learn how to build a staff, and, mm-hmm. you know, invest in staff. And that was kind of the key for me. Once I realized the importance of investing in leaders, yes. that's what caused us to really begin to grow. Yeah. 
And that, and and you look back, and those all of that was part of the journey that makes you what you are. Mm-hmm. So you come with credibility now when you can talk to these other pastors that are in their circumstance because you've been there. Sure. You know, if they've got no secretary or one secretary, sure, sure. a small yeah. church, mm-hmm. there's a tendency to, to sometimes to think, well, yeah, you've always been here, and they don't realize, no, you you started at the ground with them too. That's right. And That's so, right. and and what is it that drives you? What is it you love that you're passionate about in ministry? So a couple of things. I love to see people come to faith in Jesus. Mm-hmm. So I, I love sharing the gospel one-on-one with people. Mm-hmm. And I think that's where spiritual development begins to occur in a person's life when they start getting active and sharing their faith. Right. So I want to get as many people doing that as possible. So that's a great passion of mine. That's driven a little bit by yeah. some of the story I told you earlier about my older brother. When I was five, he was seven. Yeah, I want to hear this. He was diagnosed with a brain tumor. My parents took him everywhere. They couldn't find a, a mm. person to help him. So he died. Well, wow. he was my best bud. Yeah. Right? So my, my buddy's now gone. I'm asking my parents, and I've got four kids now, so I can't imagine what what those conversations yeah, were like. But I know. My mom would tell me I would come into the living room and say, where's Lance? And she mm. would begin to explain to me how he was in heaven. Yeah. And uh, I don't remember this, but she tells me, I, I said, well, where is heaven? And yeah. the best way she knew how to explain it to a five-year-old, you know, mm. it's above the clouds. So mm-hmm. she said, I immediately went back to his room, mm-hmm. got his favorite hat, and ran out into the front yard and started trying to throw it above the clouds. Oh, wow. And yelling, Lance, you forgot your hat. Yeah. But God used his passing to really open my eyes to the fact that life is extremely short, mm-hmm. people die, and they either go to heaven or hell. Wow. And so whenever I realized how a person goes to heaven through yeah. faith in Jesus, I gave my heart to Christ. But then that passion just to see people coming to know the Lord. And, you know, it was D.L. Moody, you know, talk about soul consciousness. Here. Right. D.L. Moody, he said that he would look at a person and put an L on their forehead, which stood for lost, not loser, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Lost until right. he found out otherwise. And uh, that's something that stuck with me. I heard that when I was a young young kid, and, man, that just kind of drove my passion for that. So, anyway, evangelism yeah. is a passion. I love to do it. If you really looked at my spiritual gift set, it probably mm-hmm. would fall heavier in leadership right. uh, and uh, communication. So that's that's uh, I love doing that as well. Yeah. So if you look at a system that needs to be changed or or trying to uh, you know take this particular hill, so to speak, I love to create a plan and help lead folks through. Yeah. It and carry them along. Yeah. I enjoy doing that. Yeah. That's I I read a book the other, recently you might like is it was called Strategy, and her name was Elizabeth Montgomery. Right. And uh, and she she teaches at Harvard strategy to the top leaders and all. And I'd read her book, and she talked about how regardless of of what your passion is, without a good strategy, you can't reach it. That's right. And 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 most success comes down to what's your strategy. And mm, so that's good. And you caught that early. You know that now. Well, it, it reminds me. I remember preaching uh, at my first church, and I was challenging everybody to start serving in the body. Boy, yeah. I was preaching. You know, yeah. preaching guilt too. To right, be that's with you. right. Yeah. <laughs> but after it was over with, I had several come up to me and they said, "Well, we want to serve. What do we do?" Uh huh. And I had no answer. <laughs> no, no. Yeah, and I yeah. thought, "Oh my word, here I am." You yeah. know, telling these folks what they need to do, but not providing a pathway for them to do that's it. That's right. And that's when I started learning how to think strategic. Yeah. I got to put a path together. I did kind of the same, yeah. Levi. Same thing. I, I I was a great recruiter. Yes. But then after I recruited, if I didn't have a place to put them, that's right. And that's why I realized you got to have somebody beside you and a good strategy to be able to that's take right. that and manage it. That's right. And so. 
other. Mm -hmm. Now, you've also, family now, you mentioned you got children, wife. Yes, sir. Come about that. So, uh, my wife and I have been married, uh, what is it, 2020 now? We yeah. Married, we'll be 20 years in June. How about that? Yeah. So, we've got four kids. My oldest is 16. Then I've got a 14-year-old, a 12-year-old, and a 10-year-old. Okay. So, it's boy, girl, boy, girl. Wow. Yeah. You're in the busy side of life right, right now. Man. This is the part where you need wisdom. That's right. So, yeah. Loving every bit of it. But uh, That's right. And, and, you, and you need to enjoy it while you can because yeah. these years are going to fly by. That's good. Now, what would you tell a pastor if he if he were just starting out and he was saying, yeah, but you don't understand. I, I'm in this little church and I got a few people that they're, you know, they're political or they want to keep this church this level and I feel discouraged. And what what would a guy who has no voice in his life, what does he need to hear? Well, I think a couple of things. When I sit down with pastors like that, because I've done that several yeah. times, the first thing that I talk about is self-leadership, mm -hmm. that you've got to learn how to lead yourself. So I talk with them specifically about what their normal week, month, and year looks like. Right. And we start building some disciplines and habits in their life mm -hmm. on study, time, on counseling time, on meeting time with the context of the church. So we, we kind of get a handle on that. But then secondly, I always encourage these guys to get around others who are a little bit further down the road yeah, than they are yeah. so that they can go to those individuals, be held accountable, but also have a opportunity for individuals just to speak into their life. Yeah. And I think this is it. And if you're, if you jump in the ministry with the idea that you're never going to face difficult days or discouragement, you're mm -hmm. going to be sorely mistaken. Yeah. You're going to hit them, right? They are coming. But you also have to remember, man, this is an unbelievable task God yeah. has called us to. Yeah. And what a great privilege That's right. that you get the opportunity to speak on behalf of heaven to those on earth That's on right. a regular basis. Yeah. So live with a thankful attitude. That's right. You know, you and I were yeah. talking about that earlier. So have that thankful attitude. But anyway, so I encourage the guy, make sure you're leading yourself. Right. Get around others who are speaking into their life. And they may not even be church members. But then thirdly, start investing in the leaders that are in the church yeah good they work. are there so you've got to pull them out and you begin to get to know them they get to know your heart mm -hmm. and don't don't get discouraged man yeah you know what I yeah. mean? just stay the course love those people unconditionally because god loves you that way yeah right? yeah so love them that way and you know good you'd be work to see what the lord will yeah do. i had a guy tell me one time kind of in that southern vernacular but he said there's gold in them there pews. That's right. Yeah, and, that's good. And he was letting me know that there are people there with a lot of experience. Right. And if they're just released and can find their spiritual gift and that's you right. can show them that place, you might have the greatest, most effective ministry in that area than you ever imagined. That's right. And they're, they're already there. God's already put who you need there if you'll find them. That's good. And I think sometimes the tendency is to think, Lord, I could really lead if I had those other people that are not here, but what do I do with this group? That's right. Yeah. And, and the reality is there are leaders in that group. That's right. Yeah. That's right. And so you just got to ask God to give you wisdom to find them yeah. and you pour into them. Now, what's the average age? Nowadays, there's a lot of these guys starting churches on their own. Right. What, what's the average age like of pastors now? You, you figure it's a— well, I know you get a lot of church plants, which typically are younger guys. Younger guys, yeah. yeah. that's very true. But then when you start looking at Baptist life specifically, yeah. you actually start seeing, um, you know, if you're trying to find the average, it's yeah. probably going to be around 45 or 50. Yeah, it's going to be right? up there. Cause it, and that's that's taking the young guys with the older guys yeah. and kind of figuring out the average. But yeah, yeah. you see them all different ages. Now, are they and, – and I guess the big secret to all of it is going to be how teachable they are. That's very if they're true. willing to be teachable, whatever age, That's very true. there's hope for them. That's right. And if they're not teachable, it don't and, matter. Yeah, and I think if you if you really got serious about studying individuals who've made great 
impacts in the context of the kingdom of God, yeah, you'll find out that they were extremely teachable, mm-hmm. that they were always learning. Yeah. You know, and at, you've, I know you know the adage, leaders are learners. Mm-hmm. So if there's ever a time you're not learning, yeah. then you're, you're not leading anymore. Yeah, that's right. So you're always seeking to grow and lead. Yeah. And, uh, that's a great when you took this new role, what all did you have to learn there? Oh, my word. So one thing we're trying to do is put together a coaching network throughout the state. Well, I've never done that before. Mm-hmm. So yeah. I had to learn how to put a coaching network together. So right. I began to talk to individuals. I talked to a, several, to mm-hmm. be honest with you, but uh, folks internationally, folks right. uh, nationally. And uh, some that weren't in, you know, Christian life right. uh, reached out to Franklin Covey, talked mm-hmm. to the head of their coaching network yeah. to figure out. I'm just yeah. learning from them. So I had to right. learn how to do that. Yeah. And one thing that I'm learning now is because the staff that we've put together for evangelism is regionalized, I don't get to see them on a regular basis okay. like I did as a pastor in a church with a staff. Right. So I could see them all the time. There's a great team camaraderie built in that. Mm-hmm. So I'm learning how to build a team from a distance. Yeah. Does that make yeah. sense? Yeah. So I'm I'm that's what I'm studying on now okay. and really seeking to learn. Yeah. And I, I guess the big thing too is where you are, you know, in 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 you want to make a difference with your life and you felt like this was you could make a bigger difference through other people. Yeah. Uh, as opposed to just being where you were. Yes. Where you were was comfortable, right? Right. Well, but, yes. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> to I mean it was growing. Yeah, yeah, it was but, growing. We were having a great time. But you could have stayed there. And I and I will tell you uh, what you said is is so true. If you really want to make a difference, you have to you have to raise others up and yeah. release them in their gift set and in their giftedness. But I think it's also a marker of, and this is something I've learned. Mm-hmm. So this is me being yeah. real transparent. Sure. At Concord, uh, everybody knew who I was. Yeah, yeah. And to be honest with you, you know, mm-hmm. just saying it straight, it's right. like Levi's the man. Yeah, that's right? right. Yeah, that's right. But in this particular role, yeah, I, I ain't the man anymore. Right, right. Yeah, you have to earn that way up. Well, and the reality is at the same time, a lot of the ministry that I'm doing is being handed off. Right. And so then it's being, you know, exercised yeah. outside the realm of where I currently exist. Yeah. Which isn't a bad thing. So, so some of that is, and I think that was some of my own pride. I started realizing, you know, the attaboys weren't as heavy as yeah, they were. Right, right? right. So I just had to get over that personally yeah. and uh, trust the Lord had me where he wanted me right. at this particular time. Yeah, yeah, I can see that. And and and, the, and you won't see the fruit of that for a long time. Very true. Yeah. yeah. So that would be that, you know, and, and for some of us that like to see instantly, just give me a, a feedback. Yeah, you know? that's my problem right yeah, there. Yeah, it's like I can't get feedback because <laughs> I haven't been out there long enough that's and right. I'm not as connected. That's right. And so I, I, I don't know if I want to keep going in this direction yeah. if I'm not hearing back yet. That's right. And so yeah. now what's been the reception when you've, when you've gone out and tried to tried to build some of this? Well, so we've, we've got a, a core strategy called the domino effect, and we talk about uh, dominoes to push over in the life of your church to build an evangelistic culture. Mm-hmm. So we're getting phenomenal traction on that. Mm-hmm. That actually has become the core strategy for our coaching network. So that's mm-hmm. been very well received. But every place that I've been and we're we're talking uh, evangelism and really encouraging people in that direction, uh, I'm finding that it's almost like a breath of fresh air for yeah. a lot of guys. Yeah. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And um, it's just a reminder, as we've said so many times before, evangelism always crawls off the table. Mm-hmm. So when you come and you put it back on the table and you say, this is what you're called to do, yeah. to reach people, there's something refreshing about that. So it's been received well. I feel like people are being extremely encouraged mm-hmm. by it. 
which I'm also encouraged by at yeah. the same time. And I always tell pastors, if you're really, really discouraged, just go out and start sharing Jesus with people. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> you know what I mean? Exactly. I said, it will just remind you why you were called back into the ministry. Yeah. And I can't tell you how many times I did that in ministry. Yes. Pastor yeah. in both Concord and in Austell. There were times I got so discouraged, I just put everything down. I said, I'm going to find some lost people. Yes. Spend yeah. some time with them, share Jesus. And it just renewed my passion. Right. And I would just get right back yeah. into it. And that, yeah. And, and what a need because of this. And you know this, Levi. Uh, we're familiar with churches that they, it's, it's, it's almost like having a heart. Evangelism is like the heart of your mm, church. That's right. And when they don't have that beating and don't have that working, I, I, it, I, it, it grieves me when I see a church that can go year after year and never have a convert, and they can raise money for missions somewhere in the world where the very people they want to reach they wouldn't have dinner with, they wouldn't allow in their home, mm. but they 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 ease their conscience or whatever by saying, "See, we're giving." But they but as far as evangelism, there is, there's there's something in them that doesn't live and die when they when they see a soul that's lost right. or gets saved. How does that make you feel when you see that? And what, you know, do you, do you actually call it a church or a club? You know, yeah, it is, there's a lot of country clubs with crosses on top. Yeah, yeah, I'm yeah. with you on that. Uh, I think it not only grieves my heart, I think it grieves the Holy Spirit. Yeah, you know, you read the the letters uh, to the churches in Revelation where Jesus says, "Behold, I stand at the door and knock." Yeah, he's actually talking to the whole church. Yeah, so he's saying, "Hey, you guys are." You know, y'all are gathered yeah. to worship, and I'm outside. Yeah, somebody just opened the door, and let me <laughs> That's in. That's right. So a lot of churches are gathering together, but Jesus is on the outside knocking, mm-hmm. and uh, we've got to let the Lord come back in and allow Him to be the center of our worship, uh, the center of our ministry, and then that yes. does that leans you toward evangelism. And the bottom line is, Charles Spurgeon said it best to me: If you have no passion to see souls come to Christ, know this. You haven't come to Christ yourself. Right, that's right. And that's a strong word. That's right. But I see the Holy Spirit grieved when a church is not making disciples, being evangelistic. Yeah. And the reality is, um, you know, people just don't realize what they're called to. You know, mm-hmm. whenever Peter says, you're a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a people for God's own yeah. possession. You've been called out of darkness into his marvelous light so that you can proclaim yeah. the excellencies of him yeah. who called you out of that darkness. In other words, you were saved so you could tell other people. Yes. And then Paul says you're an ambassador for the sake of the kingdom. Right. Right? Yeah. This is all of us. So that means we speak on behalf of heaven. Yes. So once we kind of begin to see ourselves biblically and begin to think like missionaries, mm-hmm. that's what transforms the church. Yes. And you've heard it before. Leadership is influence. I love that. Mm-hmm. But I love another statement that was given to me by mm-hmm. dear friend Mike Howell. He said, mm-hmm. Levi, leadership is teaching people how to think differently. Yeah. Yeah, I thought, man, that's it, it is. right there. It is. We can get this church, we can get individuals thinking differently, then that's when you see change. Yeah, and 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 yeah, and the weight of that is if you can understand, I guess, you know, it is true. They've said it. The, the local church is the it's the hope of the world. Right. It, it, we're looking in every area for peace and fulfillment and satisfaction. And the local church has the answer, but I think we just we've so confused the message, mm. we've we've so clouded everything around it, and got so many other things going on. That's right. And so we're not we're not being what we're called to be and could be. That's right. I guess if I were I, if I were a member of a church that just never grew, never cared, I would think let me do something else on Sunday morning. You know, why, why am I going? Yeah, what's the point? Yeah. Right? That's what's the point. And if we can really buy into and believe it is the hope. 
That's, right. that's that's what people are needing. That's right. At the end of the day, that's what matters is where you spend eternity. That's right. What would you say to somebody that didn't know God that maybe they were listening or something and they said, you know, I'm close. I'm thinking about it. And, and, and I, you know, Christianity to me does make sense. Uh, what, what's the, what, what's the hope to what, what was it that you'd say, well, this is why I would believe or this is just what it did for me and what I'd, well, I think a couple of things. First of all, I like to encourage people and let them know they're not an accident, mm-hmm. right? So you were created by God and for God. Yeah. But what the reality is, is that we're all apart from God because of our sin. Yes. And if we hang on to our sin, we'll spend eternity separated from God mm-hmm. in a real place called hell. Right. And there's nothing we can do to get to him. So yeah. you can't be religious enough. You can't be good enough. You know, Paul the Apostle uh, talks about how our religion is like cow dung in mm-hmm. comparison to knowing yeah. Jesus Christ. That's right. And then Isaiah says, you know, your good works are filthy rags. Yeah. So if you think about you, you want one day you stand before God, you're not going to wipe away one sin no. with cow dung and filthy rags. Right. So there's nothing you can do to get to God. But here's what happened. God came to us in his yeah. son Jesus. Jesus lived a perfect life for you, for me. He died mm-hmm. bearing the weight of God's wrath against sin that we deserve. Yeah. He died in our place. He was buried and he was resurrected. And this this is this is what I love. Yeah. The resurrection, if it is not true, mm-hmm. we are of all people to be pitied. Paul right. says that. But at the same time, if the resurrection didn't happen, I don't even know why we get together. Right. That's right. But the resurrection occurred. And now you gotta accept Jesus by faith. Yeah. So you turn from your sin, you put your trust in him. And what's awesome is when you make that decision, God speaks you clean yeah. because of his son. Yeah. He just, yeah. you know, it's a beautiful I know. picture. I know. I love, to, I love to share the analogy, too. You know, if you have a notebook uh, like the one I'm holding here, mm-hmm. and on the outside of it, it said the story of Levi Skipper. Right. And let's say inside the notebook was written every sin I've ever committed in mm-hmm. thought, word, and deed. First of all, this right. notebook isn't b- yeah. big enough. Right. right. <laughs> but I'd be ashamed of it. But. Mm-hmm. One day somebody shared with me about Jesus. Mm -hmm. And what God did when I trusted him was he opened up my notebook and he tore out every single page. And he threw my sin as far as the east is from the west, put it into a sea of forgetfulness. But it even gets better because God the Father reached into the notebook of Jesus Christ, his son, Mm -hmm. and recorded in those pages are the perfect righteousness yeah. of Jesus. And he took those pages and put them inside my book. Yeah. That's called justification. Yeah. Yes, you sure with me? is. I so God you. now, when he views me, he yeah. sees the perfect righteousness of his son. I didn't earn that. Yeah. And good night. That's yeah. the best news Isn't on the it? planet. Why That's would you right. not want to share that That's with somebody? Right. Yeah. So I encourage people, think about your life. If we were to open up the notebook of your life right mm-hmm. now, what would we read? Yeah. Would we read about your sin or would we read about the righteousness of Jesus? Yeah. And anybody, whosoever calls in the name of the Lord oh. shall be saved. What a oh, great man. truth that is. Good work. Clear gospel. Absolutely great. There you go. Levi, thank you. Hey, thank you, man. I've enjoyed it. Man, I have too. It's yes, been sir. an honor. Blessings on you. Thank you, buddy. All right, well, there you have it. I hope you enjoyed that conversation. And if you are a pastor or a church leader and you are listening to or watching this episode and you would like some more information about church growth and leading in your church and all that good stuff, make sure you check us out on bpleadership.com. Bill has done many leadership lessons over the years on church growth and biblical leadership that I promise you, you do not want to miss out on. So make sure you go to our website, bpleadership.com. It is only $9.99 a month to sign up for this membership. With that, you get over 200 leadership lessons, over 17 years worth of content and we release a new lesson 
each and every month. I promise you it is worth your investment. So make sure you check it out at our website, bpleadership.com. Also, if you would like to stay up to date on all the amazing content that we put forth with the BP Leadership Podcast, hit the subscribe button on whatever podcast platform you're watching on or listening to so that you get notified whenever we release our new episodes in the future. We're glad you guys joined us. We'll see you next time. And remember that this is where real leaders are made.